Well, hello, Fresno Church. So glad to join you today via video. Strange times we're in that demand this kind of thing, but so glad that we can do it. And I appreciate so much this opportunity and the invitation from Pastor Josh uh, to do this. So uh, hello to all of you. Hello, Pastor Josh, Jenny, uh, Pastor Nick, your whole team. Uh, Alan, I want you to know we've been praying for you every day. And uh, trust the Lord to continue to work there on your behalf. And so uh, hello to uh, Brother Red and all of you, dear folk. I uh, wish we could be there. And the Lord willing, next year we'll be there in person. And so we will look forward to that. As we all know, 2020 has been a difficult year. Been very perplexing on many, many fronts. And already 2021 has been in some ways shocking, uh, in other ways amazing. And uh, what a time for us to seek the Lord. So in that light, let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 1 in the Word of God, the sure Word of God, the rock and anchor that we need in the amazing times that we find ourselves in. James chapter 1. Someone has called James the Proverbs of the New Testament. I think that's well said. And we're going to look at a few verses here in chapter 1 that I trust will be uh, uh, words of... Uh, uh, in, uh, both comfort as well as encouragement and guidance in this new year that we now find ourselves well into. So James chapter 1, I'll begin to read in verse 21. The scripture says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So we have at the beginning, but be doers of the word. Very familiar verse there. And then at the end of verse 25, this one will be blessed. There is a connection between the Bible and blessing. That's what I want to speak on today, the Bible and blessing and uh, let's just have a quick word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, open our eyes, nurture faith. Lord, we claim the victory we have in Jesus over the world, over the flesh, over the devil. Lord, I pray that you would use this time in your word today to accomplish your purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in June, we were holding some meetings up in northern Minnesota. It was right when uh, uh, COVID was going on and a lot of places were locked down. So we were doing uh, live stream meetings, but in many cases, I was actually going to the church and getting on their platform with their tech crew and so forth. And so uh, that week, my son needed to do a virtual midterm test for his third degree uh, black belt. And so uh, we needed a martial arts studio, and there was one there in that uh, town. And the instructor was kind enough to let us use it. It was a nice facility when we got in there. Uh, my son noticed it was a good floor, and he began to do uh, uh, what we call in martial arts tricking. Uh, that is their word for uh, gymnastics, and they add a little bit of flair to it with kicks and so on. And so he was doing some backflips and gainers and different moves. And the instructor, a Taekwondo instructor, looked at him and said, Hey, that was, a great uh, that was a great gainer, John. And I said, So you know tricking? He said, Well, yes, I do. I said, Would you be willing to give him some private lessons? He said, I sure would. And so uh, uh, as the days progressed, uh, John was going for lessons. And I remember uh, one time I was just there observing. 
And he was telling John, try this, do this, and uh, so forth. And then he made an interesting comment to me. He said to John, you must be a dream student to every instructor. I just tell you what to do. And you do it. Oh, that that could be said of all of us when it comes to God's instructions. That God just tells us what to do, and we by faith do it. Well, here, as we've noted, there is this connection between being doers of the word and blessing. And so let's take advantage of the connection between the Bible, the word of God, and blessing. The blessing of God. Not a matter of earning, but a matter of receiving by faith what God says. Now, how does this work? Well, in our time today, let's look in this passage for three practices that the Word of God encourages here. First of all, make it a practice to value God's voice. Value God's voice. Value what God speaks, and not just what God speaks, but what God speaks into you. You see, there are many voices out there, many, oh wow, many voices. But we need to value God's voice, primarily through His Word, by His Spirit. Now let's begin to walk through our text. In verse 21 it says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Uh, the King James says superfluity. That would be the idea of the overflow of naughtiness. Now, naughtiness, naughtiness is uh, maybe a little bit uh, different nuance. That would be something like uh, when I was uh, coming through uh, London one time uh, from the mainland of Europe back to the States. I was going through London, had an overnight, and they told me there's a shuttle that'll take you to your hotel. And uh, what they didn't tell me is that over there, it's not a shuttle with the hotel where it's a free ride. It's like a bus, and you know they're dropping people off at many places. I didn't know that. And so I'm standing there on this bus and they're dropping people off at various places and I'm noticing that they're using exact change to get off. Well, I only had euros in my pocket and dollars uh, and uh, I didn't have any British sterling and I thought, I'm in trouble. So I went to the bus driver, I said, uh, is it, do you have to have exact change in British sterling to, uh, to pay or can I pay another way? She said, no, it's got to be exact change in sterling. And so I began to tell her that I didn't have that and she was not happy. And I made a terrible mistake. I said, you know in America, I should have never said that in Britain. <laughs> I said, you know in America when they, you have a shuttle to the hotel, it's, it's a shuttle that uh, is that hotel's and you don't have to pay for it. They pay for it. It's just, you know, it's part of it. I should have never told her that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I said, that's what I had in my mind. I didn't know I had this. I've got euros. I've got dollars. But I don't have any British sterling. And now she is telling me what she thinks about it. I mean, she's letting me know <laughs> how unhappy she is. And I said, ma'am, if you can just point me to an ATM at one of these stops, I'm an honest man. I'll go get your money. I will bring it right back to you. And we're going back and forth. And we finally got to the uh, stop where I needed to get off. I said, ma'am, if you'll point me to an ATM, I will get your change and I'll bring it right back. She said, just get off. <laughs> and as I walked off, she said, naughty, naughty naughty. <laughs> well, I felt like a little schoolboy at that moment. Uh, but the word here is actually much bigger than that. It is the idea of wickedness. And so God is saying, look, don't go that route. Don't indulge the flesh. Don't go there. But, it goes on to say in verse 21, receive with meekness 
the implanted word. That word receive is an imperative. It's a positive command that God is giving us to embrace, to make our own. It says here, with meekness. I love Mueller's definition of that word. He calls it a real preference for God's will. Beautifully stated. And so receive with meekness, with that real desire, that real preference for whatever God says, that's what you want, for God's will. And it goes on to say, the implanted word. That is, humbly accept and embrace the word of God that God plants in your heart. Now, you may ask, well, how does God do that? Well, the next verse tells us. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. See, see, it's when we hear the word of God. It's what's happening right now. As you hear the word of God preached, God is planting the seed of his word into your heart. And God could have done whatever he wanted to. He chose to use what he calls the foolishness of preaching. And that's when the spirit of God takes the truth of God from the word of God and plants that seed in our hearts. And he does that because he wants us to respond in faith so that the seed opens up and sprouts and and grows and bears much fruit. Because it goes on to say, this implanted word, which is able. That's from the word dunamai. You've probably heard the term dunamis. Sometimes you hear preachers say dynamite. Uh, It's really more the idea of ability, which is able by that divine, supernatural ability to save your souls. Well, now, wait a second. This is not talking about justification salvation. In verse 19, two verses earlier, the audience is referred to as beloved brethren. These are already saved people. The word saved is sometimes used in other senses. We see it in chapter 5, uh, the prayer of faith, which is uh, able, uh, uh, which was, uh, uh, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That would be referring to, to healing. And so here, the word save is in your sanctification sense. It would be the implanted word which is able to save or deliver or grow your soul. The growth of the soul. Spiritual growth from the spirit to our soul. And so God says, look, value what God says. Receive with meekness the implanted word. You see, what voices do you and I allow to speak into us? We have many voices coming at us. Which ones do we allow in? You know, this is one of the reasons why it's so important to have good friends. I have had times where a friend of mine has said something to me, and it was very apparent to me that that was the voice of God to me. God was just speaking through them in a sense, very real sense. Uh, That's why it's important to have the right friends. If you have the wrong friends, then the wrong things, the wrong voice is speaking into you. We have many voices coming at us. We live in a culture that uh, is heavily uh, influenced by entertainment. And of course, uh, the movies and YouTube and social media and all these various platforms. And some of it can be used for very good things, very noble and beneficial uh, things. Uh, We all know that some, some of what's out there, though, is not good. We need discernment. We need to allow the right voice into us. The whole point is, we need to allow the voice of God to supersede all other voices. Value God's voice. Value His words. Words from God to you as the Spirit of God makes them come alive. Value God's directions for your life. His instructions for how to live. His input. Value His admonitions. Value His loving Warnings. 
Value his commands. Of course, his principles. Value God's voice. That brings us now to the second matter that is urged upon us here in the text. And that is make it a practice to guard against deception. And this is verses 22 down through verse 24. There's two possibilities given here. One is explicit, the other is implicit. First of all, the obvious is the deception of hearing without doing. But you think you're okay because you heard. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, it's a hearing, even a careful hearing here that's being talked about, but a hearing only without the doing is what leads to deception. Then he gives us an illustration. Right here in the text, verses 23 and 24, for if any one is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So, it's likening this person who hears the word and walks away and doesn't do anything to somebody who goes to the mirror, sees the need <laughs> that uh, uh, he uh, looks there in the mirror, sees what he needs to fix or take care of, but just walks away. In other words, the issue here is not not looking in the mirror. That would be another problem, not ever hearing the word of God. That's not the issue here. Uh, that would be like uh, at a time when, uh, when I was uh, in kindergarten. We lived on the south side of Chicago, and I walked to a little public school uh, that was only about a block or maybe half a block away. And uh, sure, it was just a half a day, so I'd walk home. And uh, one day, as I was coming through the door, uh, my dad had come back from the church and evidently passed me out there on the street. And as I came through the door, he was laughing and telling Mom, he said, Hey, I just passed Johnny out there on the street, and his hair was sticking out in every direction. <laughs> you know, that was the first time in my life that it occurred to me that maybe I should go by the mirror <laughs> and comb my hair before I go to school. That was a great awakening. You know... That's not what this is talking about, just not ever looking. This is talking about those who look. They see all the bad head, as it were, and act like everything's fine. That's what's being dealt with here. That's different. And so it unfolds for us a very dangerous progression. It starts with the looking. It says there in verse 24, for he observes himself. Again, not a casual look, a careful look. A careful look. It's like an old preacher I heard one time. He said he got a hold of one of his wife's magnification or magnifying mirrors. And man, he said, I'd never seen one of these before. And he said, I looked at my face and everything was magnified. And he said, I saw things on my face I'd never seen before. <laughs> and so uh, it was looking. That's the careful look. That's what we're actually, that's what it says here. But he, he observes, he carefully observes himself. But here's the downward progression, goes away. In other words, he ignores it. He neglects doing anything, no application. And then it says, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You see that downward progression. There is that careful look. You see the need. But then you just ignore it and forget. And you know, if you do that enough, you get desensitized to the voice of God. That's a dangerous thing. Do you remember what it was like before COVID when we could go to restaurants? Remember that? <laughs> And, uh, you know, in a restaurant, when there's a ton of people in there and there's all, everybody talking at the same time, we have learned to tune our ears out to all those voices and into the voice at the table. In other words, we're desensitized to all the other voices. Now, friends, if we're not careful, if you follow this downward progression, 
you can get desensitized to the voice of God. You just tune it out. You're there, but you're not really there. And God says, if you think you're better off, you are deceived. You see, you grow by decisions of faith. My father used to say, you grow by decisions. And that's what he meant. By faith responses. It's not enough to hear the word. Yes, you need to hear the word, but God wants us to respond in faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so it's not by osmosis. You've got to make faith responses. When you do, you sensitize yourself. So if you are desensitized, resensitize yourself by responding in faith as you hear the word of God. You know, switching from hearing to seeing. I have sensitized my eyes to see fish. I love the underwater world. If I hadn't been called to preach, I probably would have been a scuba diver. <laughs> I love the underwater world. It's fascinating to me. But I can stand on a bridge and look at a river below or stand at the edge of a lake and I can see the fish if they're there. Uh, you, you train your eye. I was at the headwaters of the Mississippi back in June. And that's just uh, where it begins. It's very small. There's a lake, and then there's this small uh, river that comes out. That's the beginning of the Mississippi, Mississippi River. And there's some rocks there where you can almost walk almost completely across. So I went out as far as I could on those rocks, and boy, I was looking in that water. I wonder if there's any fish here, I want to see them. And sure enough, there they were, musky, big ones, beautiful. You see, if we respond in faith to God's voice, we will sensitize our ear back to God. You see, that's what's vital so that we value God's voice. So in guarding against deception, first of all, guard against the deception of hearing without doing. And secondly, guard against the deception of intending without doing. And thinking you're okay because not only did you hear, you intended to do something. But if you never do anything, you're not better off. But many times we think we are because we actually had a good intention. You say, well, where is that in the text? Well, the first deception was explicit. This is implicit. It's found in that same word here uh, that uh, we're reading uh, in the text in 22 and 23. Uh, if you were to study the word athlete, it would help to study athletics, closely related words. Well, in this case, there's a closely related word to the word here. It is the place for hearing. We call it an auditorium, audio, an auditorium. And that word is used in our New Testament in Acts 25, 23, denoting the place for hearing and deciding cases. Verdict. Uh, where we find uh, Paul standing before King Agrippa who heard his case to make a verdict. All right, there's the intention. Now, the problem comes when our conscience is eased because of a good intention. We feel justified. We didn't just hear. We intended to do something about it. But just intending is just pretending. Wow, there it is. Yes, it's good to make that intention, but if you don't follow through on it, it's just pretending. You're actually no better off. You still forgot. It's like when my mom called up the stairs when I was a teenager. Hey, John, would you please come down and take out the garbage? And I said, yes, mother. Good intention. I'm in it. I was sincere. <laughs> But in my mind, I'm thinking, I will do it as soon as I finish what I'm doing up here. And the problem is, by the time I finished what I was doing upstairs, I forgot all about it. Okay, and that's what we end up doing. You know, we're about a month into the new year. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? How you doing? <laughs> uh, you see, just intending is just pretending. We have goals, we have verdicts, we have decisions, that's good, but they must be followed through on. 
Maybe a decision to read the Word of God. Maybe a decision to witness and declare the gospel. I remember when I was in graduate school, I went to a conference, and boy, I'm telling you, God stirred my heart about winning people to Christ. I mean, uh, God stirred me, and I responded. I made a decision that day. And in the providence of God, over the next couple of uh, weeks, I heard several other messages on the matter of witnessing, giving the gospel, soul winning, as we sometimes call it. And I made decision after decision. I remember driving down the road one day thinking to myself, you know, you're finally becoming a soul winner. Look at all these decisions you've made. And then I asked myself, well, how many people have you won to Christ? In fact, how many people have you witnessed to? And I thought, you know what? <laughs> Not very many. <laughs> and so I began to realize the deception I was falling into that we're talking about here. Where we count something false as if it's true. Something non-existent as if it's real. Something counterfeit as if it's genuine. And we so misjudge and we miscalculate. And as the verse says in verse 22, we deceive ourselves. We deceive by a false reasoning that is inherent in this word. In other words, as the Septuagint puts it, you leave yourself in the lurch. Ever done that? I remember I was in a class in graduate school, systematic theology, and one day the teacher gave us a, an assignment, a reading assignment. Now, I was a good student, but for whatever reason, I didn't do my assignment that time. And so I walked into the next class hoping that uh, I wouldn't have to pay for that. <laughs> And so they're having a discussion about the assignment, and he asked a question, and nobody was answering it. And so, wouldn't you know, out of all the guys in that class, he calls on me. Mr. Van Gelderen, what's the answer to that question? Well, I had not read the assignment, and I absolutely had no idea. So I was sitting there absolutely petrified, and a friend of mine sitting next to me, well-meaning, actually sincerely trying to help me, leaned over and under his breath said, Matthew 24. So I shifted my weight as if I had been in deep thought, and said, Matthew 24. <laughs> and he so ridiculed me at the ridiculousness of my answer. I was the laughing stock of the class. And then uh, my friend next to me leaned over and said, sorry. <laughs> well, that was one of those moments when I had left myself in the lurch. Ah, friend, what is it going to be like at the judgment seat? You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the whole point is you hear, God convinces you, but you must respond in faith. You see, only what you do in faith will pass the tests of the judgment seat fires. So guard against deception. So make it a practice to value God's voice. Secondly, make it a practice to guard against deceptions. And now finally, make it a practice to follow God's way. I love this. Look at verse 25. What a verse. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And here we have a very positive progression. It starts with focus. But he who looks into, look with a very careful look. In fact, inherent in the word is the idea that you're looking and you're not quite sure, and so you stoop a little cl closer. It's like people have to put on their reading glasses. You get closer to make sure you're seeing this right. That's the word here. This is not tuning out. This is tuning in. It's focusing in on what? It says here, the perfect law of liberty. Friends, this is what we read about in Romans 8 too, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's what Galatians 5.1 is talking about. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty 
by which Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, the law of liberty is the way of faith in Christ alone. Not just for salvation, but everything. So you're focusing on him. You're looking unto Jesus. Why? He authors faith. Faith. That's why the focus has to be on the object of faith. And friends, that allows for this amazing dynamic, the law of the spirit of life to free us from the law of sin and death. Uh, that is stated a few verses later in Romans 8, 13, as if you, through the spirit, do put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. In other words, you're accessing that life of Jesus. See, it's the way of faith in Christ alone. You're accessing him. And, uh, and when you do, the spirit imparts to you his life to counteract and overcome the flesh. That's that principle of counteraction where it's like putting on a life jacket. It's putting on Christ for that buoyancy you need to lift you up and keep you from sinking in this world. Focus, which of course leads to the faith response. Look at the text again, verse 25. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Now the word continues fascinating. It's a compound word taking a preposition that means near and combining it with the word that is translated abide. In chapters like John 15, and the word abide is the picturesque word for faith, for dependence. So you focus on the object of faith so that you can have a faith response, so that you can then exercise faith. You see, and continues therein. You abide near. You respond in faith. In other words, you look at the mirror. You see the need, and you deal with it. You trust what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and you respond in faith. And that then accesses grace, because faith always accesses grace. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, Romans 5, 2. And so that brings us to obedience, because the next phrase says, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. There it is. So you focus on Jesus, the object of faith, and you respond to him based on his words, and that's when the Spirit enables you now to take that further step to obey. You trust to obey. And you become here what it calls, or what it describes as a doer of the work, a doer who actually does, no longer deceived. And that brings you to the fourth part of this, and that's the blessing. So there's this progression, there's the focus, there's the faith response, there's the obedience, now there's the blessing. This one, this one, the end of verse 25, will be blessed in what he does. He'll be blessed in the doing, in the faith response, the faith steps that carry it all out. We have some dear friends in Phoenix, they're now retired, we've known them for years and uh, they have uh, decided to make Adirondack chairs, those beautiful deck chairs, and uh, the man's a good carpenter, and he cuts the wood, sands it, and so on, and, and uh, they uh, said, we want to send you one, He's, and they said, obviously, uh, uh, you're going to have to do some assembly, and we'd like you to follow the directions and tell us if they're decent directions. I said, well, I'll be a good test because I don't know how to fix anything, so if I can do it, anyone can do it. Well, I got the box, opened it up, got the directions out, and boy, I'm going to tell you, I had to focus. <laughs> I looked at those directions, and at first I'm thinking, I have no idea what this is saying. But the more I looked at it, I thought, okay, this goes here, this, oh, okay. So I began to trust what it says. And I obeyed. So there's our progression. You focus, you respond, you trust what it says, the instructions, you obey. And you know what? The finished product is beautiful. Not because of me, but because of the good instructions. 
And friends, when we focus on Jesus and respond to what he says and by his power obey, the finished product is not I but Christ. He's beautiful. That's the blessing. Wow. You see, God's word planted in our hearts to change our lives. I remember years ago when I was assistant pastor, there was a, a husband and wife that got saved. Who, and uh, they began to come. And, and one day the, the man responded in an invitation as my father had preached. And, and uh, he, uh, uh, one of the deacons uh, took him aside and, and counseled him. And the deacon said to me later, wow, man, a lot of stuff in that man's life. Well, that's how it works. That's what God does. He takes people where they are. And I'm going to tell you, that man kept responding to the Lord, began to be transformed, became very useful. I've been in touch with him over these now several decades. Just talked to him again a few months ago. And uh, he still loves the Lord and has continued to grow all these years. That's what this is talking about. When you receive with meekness, you prefer what God says over all the mess of the world. And you allow the Spirit of God then through the Word of God to, to, uh, to save, to deliver, to grow your soul. And that's when that implanted word is now transformed into you living out that word. You become a doer of the work. The word becomes the work. Now you're living the word by accessing the living word himself, Jesus Christ. Ah, beautiful connection between the Bible and blessing. Let's take advantage of it in this year. God bless you.